Pray with me. In the name of one God, who is our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, is, this, is this on? Yes, it is. All right, thank you. Uh, the uh, Duke Divinity Professor, uh, one-time Methodist Bishop Will Williman, tells a story when he was invited um, to work with some, uh, I think it was Episcopal bishops. It could have been a gathering of clergy, but I think it was uh, Episcopal bishops. And uh, he had done his part in speaking, and then there was some discussion, and, and many of the bishops were arguing about something. It's kind of a surprise, hard to believe, but they were, they were arguing, right, uh, in the church. Uh, they were having an argument uh, about something. He didn't, he didn't even tell us what it was, uh, but he said they were arguing, you know, quite uh, passionately about an issue. And finally, the, the hosting bishop uh, of the gathering said, all right, that's it. It's time to have Eucharist. And he, he said he was amazed. They all just lined up, processed into the church, and did Eucharist. And he just said he was blown away that um, after these disagreements that they had had, they were able to unite together, uh, to come together to, to the holy table of the Lord, uh, to share in the Lord's Supper, uh, and to, to realize uh, what was most important, despite their differences, uh, to come back uh, to be reminded of the good news of God's grace. Um, and, and that reconciliation moment, that, that reminder um, of, of who we truly are, how God sees us, uh, and what we need, the grace we need, um, what was comforting uh, and was a good reminder of why we're here, what we're trying to do uh, in this conference, to remind ourselves uh, of the grace of God uh, and our need for it and for others. Uh, in the, our, our reading today from Ephesians, uh, Paul is dealing with a division in his church of the Jews and the Gentiles. Um, and he says, At that time you were without Christ, speaking to the Gentiles, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, from the Jew and the Gentile, and from us and God, has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. That message is not just for the, the Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians in his church, in the church in Ephesus. Uh, it's a message for everyone. The division is gone. We still feel it. We still see our human divisions. But if we would see our sin, if we would see ourselves as God sees us, redeemed, forgiven, we would realize we're in this together. And so he goes on and on to describe this, to remind them. But why is he saying it? Because they clearly are not doing it yet. They may agree with Paul, but that probably doesn't feel like the dividing wall is gone the customs between the two groups, all the different classes and groups of people that came into the new church and the early church, and suddenly they were all equal. 
Maybe we agreed to it, but it didn't, it didn't always feel that way. They didn't always feel so reconciled one to the other. Right? We don't always feel so reconciled to God. Why, why would Paul write this if it were not the case? They needed to be reminded. And like with most problems in Christianity, churches and communities, how does he deal with the problem? He goes to the gospel. And Paul's letters, it's so great because he's dealing with problems in the church, misunderstandings of things. And so each time he goes back to the gospel, to the first thing to help correct them, to help get them in the right place. Not stick and stay in the nitty gritty and the detail of their arguments, but takes them back to the first thing, the good news, the gospel. Just a few verses before our passage. He said, For by grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not works, lest any man should boast. I love that. Grace you are, by grace you are saved by faith. And that is a gift of God. Like, wait, I thought I, the faith thing was mine. <laughs> and now you're saying it's a gift. Even that, even our faith is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in. And so even those good works, the fruit of our relationship with God, the things that flow from being reminded that you are reconciled to God, that you are saved by grace, that you've been brought into the family, that you are loved, then those good works have a chance to go and flow and be produced. But even them, they're prepared for us. They're not even of our doing. And we all need this review, this reminder, so that us, our generation, the next generation, will be reminded and can carry that forth. David spoke a little bit about the, the issues of, of faith in our society, of the, the lack of faith in our society. I've been reading a book uh, by Lisa Miller called The Spiritual Child. This looks like an advertisement. Um, the New Science of Parenting for Health and Lifelong Thriving. And it's an interesting book because she is actually a, um, she's a secular person. She's, she's Jewish, she has faith, but she's a, a sociologist at Columbia. Uh, Columbia in New York, and did a series of evidence-based studies about faith um, and, and children. And it's incredible, first of all, that she got funding to do that, right? To be able to study faith and how it affects you in academia. Uh, and, and she did, and it's, the research has been quite amazing and groundbreaking uh, for faith and how important it is that in all the busyness and work of our lives and the busyness of our kids, that uh, it's hurting our kids. It's not good that they don't have uh, faith in God. It's, it's, it's not good. And so she says, uh, to, to describe the problem, surveys today show that to a large extent, an unquestioned assumption of religion in our culture is largely gone. A significant percentage of several generations of people between uh, tw uh, parents, 25 and 50 years old, were raised without overt spiritual engagement or instruction at home. This means that a significant number of adults um, were raised with no spiritual structure, no community, no spiritual conversation or teaching, no spiritual practice, and some, none of the critical pieces for developing a spiritual reality. Today, more than one-third of young adults report no religion, 
again, not, not atheists. This is not, uh, they don't believe at all. They just have no affiliation. They're just not connected at all to any denomination. Um, it's just, uh, they just don't have a connection. Now, her solution, and one of the things she's talking about, is that faith uh, and a connection to a church body isn't enough. You have to have a spiritual practice, uh, um, be able to express as a child your faith, um, to be able to, to, to develop it. Um, and I even hesitate to bring this up because I'm not going to go through the whole book and her explanations. <laughs> but it's her introduction. She says, what I find in my work is that many adults are afraid and don't have a clue how to talk about spirituality with their children. They're afraid of being wrong. They're afraid not to say it right. But we'll just go ask the pastor. Nonetheless, she says, I believe, and this book will demonstrate, that parents should just try. They need to engage in their child's emerging spirituality. I think that idea of engaging um, our children uh, in their spirituality is really connected with, with baptism. We believe that they are fully a member. They should fully uh, be able to engage in their spirituality. And she talks about different stages and levels giving, given a kid's and child's age. But I think what it does for me is it reminds me uh, that we are... Oh, the bell is tolling. Okay. Uh, but now, uh, it, Paul says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who are sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall, the partition between us. Paul says, we are all one in Christ Jesus. The divisions are gone because we bring nothing new into this family. We are fully members. Feel free to go forth, to engage in that uh, relationship, that faith. Besides, it's just us sinners here anyways. Just us sinners and saints together as one. Paul continues, <clears throat> And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. This book of Ephesians is often used and understood as a baptismal prep, as, as a training for baptism of catechesis or, or what have you to prepare people for baptism. And uh, I love in the baptism service, one of my favorite prayers comes after the baptism. A prayer we say to describe um, what has happened. Um, after we said we have received you into the household of God, confess the faith of Christ crucified, proclaim his resurrection, and share with us in his eternal priesthood. We've brought this adult or child into the family of Christ, fully a member. And then this word um, is used in this prayer word adoption. Paul uses it, right? Uh, to say you are adopted into the family of Christ. It says, All praise and thanks to you, most merciful Father, for adopting us as your own children and for incorporating us into your holy church and for making us worthy to share in the inheritance of the saints and light. Adopted. Once being without a family. And somebody coming, choosing you, and taking you beyond deserving or merit and placing you into a new family with the full rights of being a child in that family, the full inheritance of being a part of that family. What a great image of 
uh, being given the grace of God, fully a member of the family of Christ, brought in. We have been made worthy, made worthy. You are loved and adopted. You do not have to prove yourself. You are a full member of the household of God. Therefore, since we have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, by faith, so that no one may boast, we can begin to be reconciled to one another, to reconcile, to be at peace. The first reconciliation between us and God through Jesus Christ. As David said, that takes a lot of reminding. That's why we have this conference. That's why we have our liturgy. That's why we come to church to be reminded. There's a quote from a a story about Martin Luther where somebody said to Martin Luther, would you please start preaching something else besides the gospel? You know, it's getting a little tired. And Luther said, I'll stop preaching the gospel when you stop coming into church looking like you don't believe it. When you come in with these burdens, when you come in tired and exhausted, and clearly you think that you have to shrug off the burdens. To know we need to keep on saying this old, old story, the mockingbird, because we need to be reminded that we've already been saved, that we've been loved, we've been adopted. It's a fait accompli, it's already done. And that gives us some chance, that some chance for that reconciliation, the horizontal kind, with others, with your family members, with your children, with your in-law, with your boss, with your co-workers. But if you have trouble with reconciliation to the horizontal kind, go back to step one, like Paul always does. Go back to the gospel. Be reminded of who you are, who they are. Baptism, communion, reminds us of who we are, who we are together. That we are all sinners, broken people, but redeemed and loved by God. We are all in this boat together. Parent and child, you and your loved one. So don't be afraid. You've been saved by grace through faith. So go forth. Go forth from here. As Augustine said, love God and do what thou wilt. Allow the freedom of that kind of love to have an amazing and unexpected fruit. Be confident in your status as an adopted son or daughter of Christ. So, let us go forth. Amen.